Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Tennis Fanalyst podcast where we're going to be previewing the original Cincinnati Masters, the Western Southern Open, taking place in New York that has got underway uh, yesterday with qualifying starting. It's the first time that we're going to get to preview some actual tennis on the court, so that's very exciting. How are you feeling going into it, Michael? Yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing to have have some form of competitive tennis back, albeit behind closed doors, but I, I still think it could be uh, really good to watch and, and enjoy. Yeah, there's been some interesting news coming out of the ATP Tour in the last couple of days, and that was the fact that Guido Paya of Argentina and Hugo Delian of Bolivia were forced out of the tournament, having been in contact with uh, one of the physios that tested positive for coronavirus, even given that their most recent tests had come back negative. Um, I mean, it's just clear that um, the, the the tournament organisers have been um, sort of erring on the side of, side of caution with something like this, and uh, obviously devastating for both the players. However, I mean, in, in my book, it, it seems like the right call for now. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think there, there's pressure uh, coming on. I know Djokovic, uh, I saw something about him sort of trying to start a petition to get players to sign, to get them reinstated because he thinks it's unfair. I mean, it's very hard, even though their tests have come at negative. But I think, like you say, I think it's the right thing to do. I was listening to Dan Evans being interviewed the other day on the, the tennis podcast um, and he was you know, telling all about the strict rules of the bubble and, and, you know, it is strict, but it's needed. You know, it's the world that we're living in at the moment. And, you know, unfortunately, it does mean if 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 you come into contact with someone with the virus, you, you, should, you should have to go into isolation. And even though your tests have come back negative, that doesn't 100% mean that you haven't got it. Sometimes the, um, there's, I can't remember what they call it, the... Um, there's a phase where it doesn't show up on a test. It's when you first get it and it just takes a little while for the virus to actually sort of become active in you. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely the right the right call. Um, and, and two good players as well, to be honest. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Marcus, but I think Guido Peyer made the quarterfinal of Wimbledon last year, didn't he? Um yeah, I think I think Pella did get very far in Wimbledon last year. I think it was a quarterfinal. Um, and you know, Delian, not a bad player himself. So yeah, uh, but no, right call. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, there's been some questionable actions from Djokovic in the last few months, and uh, yeah, I'm not treating this this sort of campaign with with any sense either. I mean, yeah, uh, like you said, Payer and. And Delian, two two great players to watch. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed watching them, particularly on a clay court where I do think that they they thrive. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure they're going to be missing out on too many ranking points that they might have heard on on this hard court tournament, obviously. Um, but yeah, no, a shame for the players, but definitely the right decision. To kick off the rest of the pod and the main segment that we're going to go on to is is the draw announcement, the main draw for the Western Southern Open. However, qualifying, as I said earlier in the pod, got underway yesterday. Um, we were disappointed to see the, uh, the um, Mikhail Immer and Yannick Sinner, two young players that we spoke about before, uh, lose in the first round to... Um, so Mikhail Immer lost to George Lloyd Harris, the South African uh, big server, I think he is. And uh, Sinner lost out to the Italian Salvatore Caruso. 
Um, so two entertaining players that we have really waxed lyrical about on the podcast already. Um, how did you take that, Michael, seeing, seeing those two go out? Yeah, I was very surprised to see that Sinner went out. Um, you know, I think I did him as my up-and-coming player a few weeks ago, next-gen finals winner. We saw him in that ex- exhibition, uh, that bet one aces, it was called in Germany, and he he, caught, he beat Bautista a good. He beat, I can't remember, but he got some brilliant wins that week and then put on a really good show against Dominic Team in the final. Um, so I was very surprised to see Yannick Sinner not doing better against, you know, Caruso is is a decent player, you know. He's 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 part of, I think top one hundred um, or has been. I'm not sure. He's he's in and around that area, and um, but yeah, I, I would have expected better from Sinner. So that was a shame, I guess. With Yamir, um, it, it is is a surprise to see him lose. But you know, George Lloyd Harris from South Africa is actually also a young player himself. I think he's probably twenty twenty two, maybe twenty one. Uh, early 20s and uh, yeah big serving good player um, so yeah it'll be in- interesting to see if he can win his next qualifying match tonight and uh, against the main draw yeah I think for me it seems that Sinner has been performing better against the higher ranked players obviously winning that next gen title against lots of up-, up and coming players probably inside that top 100 and then just getting dragged down to the level of the likes of a Caruso who I mean he might have pushed the sort of top 80 in his career at the most but you know he is someone that you see um, being more at home on the challenge at all than, than the main ATP tour for me um, so yeah it's, it's a shame for Sinner but you know I'm sure both these players will bounce back a word on Cameron Norrie um, managed to beat Mikhail Kukushkin there's a tricky customer in the first round of qualifying in straight sets so um, obviously some good news for the British camp and uh, yeah hopefully Cameron Norrie can uh, um, win it, win his uh, final qualifying round match, and then uh, make some inroads in the tournament. So yeah, no, um, good, good win for that uh, Norrie against Kukushkin. Um, also got a tricky match um, to to get through today, which is the last qualifying match. He's playing uh, Camille, I believe it's my shark. The uh, the pronunciation, uh, Poland, uh, ranked 108th in the world. Uh, he himself. Got a, a good win actually um, in the qualifying round last night. He beat uh, Yao Salza, um, who I believe also made the Wimbledon quarters last year. Uh, or he definitely had a, a, a big run in Wimbledon last year. Beat Dan Evans. So um, yeah, yeah, no, that's um, be an interesting match for Norrie. Yeah, I mean we've got more of qualifying to enjoy this evening. Obviously, going on at the moment, so many games. Um, there's a few yeah, going on right now. Kwon Soon Wu, one player who's struggling against Norbert Gombos at the time of recording, a player that we, we profiled a couple of weeks ago. But moving on to the main draw, I've picked out six main matches that I think are really sort of mouth-watering encounters that I'd like to watch. Um, just to start with that one, I'm just going to go at the top of the draw and down. And the first match that I'd like to your, your take on, Michael, and one that I'm really looking forward to, is Denis Shapovalov versus Marin Cilic. Yeah, as I was going down the draw this morning and, and doing my predictions, which we'll come on to, um, that was the first draw that I really looked at and I thought, oh, uh, it could be really interesting match. Was Shapovalov, uh, the young gun, uh, the 12th seed? He would technically be the favourite with the higher ranking. Um, but, you know, Marin Cilic, Grand Slam winner, um, one of just... 
uh, I think, two Grand Slam winners in the draw. Uh, so yeah, I've actually gone. I've gone for Denis Shapovalov to win this, uh, just because I, I, I think with with these predictions, because we haven't seen players play in such a long time, I think ranking is a really good barometer to go by because it measures how consistent you are anyway over a year, and and I think that could could be a good measure to see sort of where we we come back to. Chilich also. Uh, getting on a little bit now, we've probably seen his best days in the game. Uh, whereas Shapovalov, you would hope maybe has used the time off to um, to really focus and and get a good run going. Okay, well I've gone the complete opposite way to you on um, in this match. I've, I've gone for Marin Cilic to get the win. I just think stylistically he might have a bit too much power for Shapovalov, who obviously is a very energetic player, but whether he can sustain that level throughout the match. Um, I'm not so sure. And also, just just as you said about the ranking being the consistent barometer, I think, personally, at the moment, Denis Shapovalov does have a bit of an inflated ranking. I think he gathered quite a lot of points at ATP Cup, which excluded quite a few players um, at having the opportunity to win points. I think, yeah, that, that's, that's uh, contributed to him having a bit of an inflated ranking at the moment. Obviously, Cilic has, has slid down the rankings majorly in the last sort of... Uh, towards the back end of last year and, and the beginning of 2020. Um, but yeah, I just think he could have, the break could have could have revitalised him. And um, obviously playing um, at near the US Open where where he won it, he's going to have fond memories. And um, yeah, I just my, my gut feeling was was to go for, for Marin Cilic on this one. Um, <laughs> any thoughts on my argument or are you still batting it off? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, it's so hard to know where... Um players will be I guess and and you know you make some good points I hadn't really thought about Shapovalov's ranking in the ATP Cup but it is a very good point uh, that you make uh, so yeah it'll be interesting I've actually got Shapovalov um, to win his second round I oh, know I haven't actually so I've got him to lose in the second round so um, yeah not too much riding on it as much but um, yeah it could be a, a good early sort of difference that we both have in our, our predictions to see to see who can can do better yeah for sure um just to get it out of the way me and michael actually take part in a prediction league uh if you want to join it's called anything is possible i mean one of the more inspirational witty names i've ever heard and it's on tennisdrawchallenge.com that's tennisdrawchallenge.com if you would like to get involved it's a bit of fun um yeah you just Press on, uh, press on who you want to win on the draw until it completes itself and then you, you get points based on that. Uh, anyway, back to the tennis. And the, the second main draw game I'd like to highlight is Nikolos Basilashvili versus Felix Auger-Aliassime. I'm pretty sure Felix has quite a positive head-to-head record against Basilashvili and I have gone for the young Canadian in my prediction. However, Basilashvili, Lashvili has proved on the tour that he can win titles. I'm pretty sure he's won at least two, possibly even three ATP tour titles in his time. The Georgian, who has actually fallen down the rankings a bit, he did get into the top 20 for most of last year. Um, but yeah, I've, I've gone for Felix on this one. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I've gone for Felix as well. Um, similar reason to Shapovalov. You know, he's the, the seeded player. Um, you know, such a good player. Auger Aliassim, we've talked about him a little bit. Um, I've think probably about 19 at the moment um so still very young and um 
he, you know, very powerful. To be honest, I've, I've seen him play and he's, he's one of the best servers on tour. Um, and serving is probably the most important shot for a player to have. You, you can't you can't get high up in the rankings if you've got a poor serve. Um, he's got quality serves, so really he's got just you know a few things. He needs to just brush up a little bit on his baseline game. Um, but yeah, a quality player, and be interesting to see. I really hope we can see him have a bit of a run um, in this tournament because he's got a potential third round with Novak Djokovic if he gets through his first matches uh, that's Basil Ashbury and then the winner of Tennis Sandgren Lorenzo Sinego so um, yeah I'd really like to see Djokovic also out here see him in the third round because I think you know that could be a a really tasty affair but then you know as you say Basil Ashbury um, does, Basil Ashby, um is is a very good player in himself and he's got some very good wins and there's definitely kind of first round draws that you could have yeah, definitely. It'll be be a tough first match back on the tour for both players. I mean, I think Felix has an incredible physique at just 20 years old. And yeah, yeah, the serve really does stand out. I mean, he has he has other assets to his game, but certainly, you know, it's tough tough to break the serve of Felix Bourget-Aliassime. The next game I want us to talk about is quite an intriguing one. You've got a player who... Um, was formerly one of one of the players that I thought would be the next player to really break in the top ten and start challenging for slams. Who's fallen down the rankings a little bit against one of the season seasoned campaigners of the tour, and um, of course that seasoned campaigner I'm talking about is the usually quite angry on court man that is Benoit Paire, and he's taking on Borna Chorich in the first round. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on this one? Yeah, very interesting match. Um, both both players are players that would probably feel they haven't quite reached their potential because I, I assume you were talking about Borna Chorich when you said that. But even Benoit Pair at times I've seen him play and I think he's got a, he's got a really good game and unfortunately he too can get quite uh, angry on court um, and and sort of lose his way a little bit. And so yeah, I think. It's definitely a match that's really winnable for the two of them. Um, and a second round against David Goffin, who gets the bye, and, and that that's definitely a winnable match as well for either one. So I think you could see both men really going at it. Uh, Chorich, obviously, the younger one. Um, so if you go in with the argument that uh, the younger players might have benefited from this this uh, this this break we've had. Uh, then you probably go for Chorich. But uh, yeah, no, Ben Ben Wilpon, very experienced and a very good player. And I still think, I'm not sure how old he is, but he's, you know, he's he's probably in his 30s, if not nearing them. And um, I think, you know, he's definitely still got quite a bit more in the tank. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, Pear really does have the game to be pushing the top 10 if he could be more consistent. And that's why I've gone with him to win. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't actually say who I've gone to win. So you, you've gone for Pear? I have, yeah. Okay, I've gone for Borna Chorich. And uh, that could be a big difference in the draw because I have not just gone for Borna Chorich. I've got Borna Chorich to... Well, we'll get onto this later, but I've got Borna Chorich to do fairly well. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, Goffan is a very good player, but... When when his level does drop a bit, he's there for the taking, and either of these two on their day would definitely have the capabilities to get past the David Goffin in the second round. The fourth game that I want to have a look at is two players that are 
definitely their strongest surface is clay. Um, I know it involves one of our, uh, we, we both in, uh, have a lot of appreciation for one of the players in this match, and that's Diego Schwartzman. And he's taking on the youngster, Kasper Rude of Norway. Uh, I just think it's an interesting game. Two players that are better on a clay court, but um, can definitely hold their own on the hard. And uh, Rude, obviously one of the players that's shot up the rankings really this, this season before, before the coronavirus break. Yeah, um, yeah, really interesting match. Um, Schwartzman is, you know, very good on clay. As you say, he's got a set off Nadal and the French Open a few years ago. And I think I'm fairly sure I'm right in saying he was the only man uh, to get a set off Nadal at that French Open. So, you know, really, really fantastic player. But also Casper Ruud, um, really good young player. Unfortunately, hasn't risen as high as I think a lot of us would have thought, probably because his hard court record isn't quite uh, good good enough uh, compared to what his clinical record is. On this match, I've gone for Diego Schwartzman just because I think he's the better hard-court player, um, a bit more rounded player. I know Casper has had some good results on, on hard-court this year and he has got better, but um, I think you know Diego Schwartzman, although he is mainly a clinical player, he has also shown some, some really good stuff on the hard-court and has been ranked quite highly. See, so, yeah, I, I played it a little bit safe, maybe, and I've, I've just stuck with Schwartzman. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Kasparu does run in close, but I too have gone with Diego Schwartzman. Definitely more experienced in this type of match at this type of level. Must have played a lot of Masters compared to Kasparu. So, yes, uh, we've both gone for Schwartzman on that one. The next game is very interesting from a British point of view and a neutral point of view. And obviously in in the uh, in America where it is held, and that is I think they might might both be wild cards or not. Yeah, they are. But yeah, they are. Um, and that's Francis Tiafo versus Andy Murray. Tiafo, someone that slid down the rankings, as I've said about a few players um, this year. I think he's only, I think he's in the eighties, which is quite quite surprising considering the levels that we've seen Tiafo operate at in in recent years. Um, I. <laughs> Just to get my prediction out of the way, I had actually initially gone for Tiafo, and then after looking over the draw that I predicted, talked myself back round to picking Andy Murray. Initially, I just thought Tiafo might have a little bit too much energy for Murray, but the romantic in me said that Murray's going to roll back the years and uh, yeah, wipe him off the court in this one. Yeah, I've gone for Andy Murray as well. Um, just going back to our last podcast when we had Tim Farbing from Tennis Head. And if you haven't listened to that one yet, check it out. Uh, it was a great interview. Uh, really good to have him on. But, you know, he, he said you know that Andy Murray, um, probably first match back, will see quite a fresh... He's, got, he's definitely in a good place at the moment. We've seen him play really well over the Battle of the Brits. And I think we'll see a very fresh Andy Murray in the first round. I think it's going forward that the problems might start to come in because of the fitness. And Tiafo is no, no easy first round. I could definitely see it going to three sets. Um, but no, I've, I've gone for Murray. And I think I'm quite, I think I'm quite confident on this one. I've, put my neck on the line a little bit by saying that, but I do think Andy Murray, um, he showed last year at Antwerp that he is able just to come back without playing competitive tennis and put on some brilliant results. I'm not sure Francis Tiafoe has enough to be in, but then again, like we've been saying for everyone, it all depends on how they've done over the lockdown period. Possibly Tiafoe has used it to have a reset. He's looked at his ranking at about 18. He's thought, you know, I'm not happy down here. What can I do to, to change my game? And maybe, 
you know, when the match happens at the weekend, uh, we see a, the best Francis TFO we've ever seen and, and we could maybe get far in the draw. Yeah, definitely. The potential of, of TFO as a player is still very high with, with the player very young. Um, keeping it close to home and moving on to the British number one as the last first round match that we're going to highlight. And I don't really think it could have been much tougher for Dan Evans for a first round opponent. It's Andrei Rublev of Russia, uh, a player who's pushing the top 10 at the moment um, and has really sort of caught fire since the back end of last year and, and the first uh, two, three months of the 2020 ATP season. Um, yeah, I've gone for Rublev in this one. Not to say that um, Evans won't come back strongly. I think he will. But I just think he's really going to have his work cut out against this in this one. You know, Rub, Rublev is is uh, in the running for qualifying for the ATP finals in the year-to-date rankings. And, uh, yeah, I just think he'll have too much for Dan Evans on the day. Yeah, Andre Rublev is fifth in the uh, year-to-date rankings, which start from January and, and are the ATP Tour final rankings, as you say. Um, yeah, he's been one of the best players of the year. He's really fulfilling that potential that people could see he had in the last couple of years when he's been playing on tour. Uh, he is 22 now, so still very young. And I, I think he's a player we're going to see a lot from going forward. He definitely looks like he can back up the hype, sort of, uh, which a lot of the young players, you know, we talked about players like Tiafo and and perhaps even someone like a Shapovalov who maybe haven't so much. They haven't quite hit a top 10 level where we would have expected to see them by now. But um, yeah, Rublev is a fantastic player. And um, yeah, I, I, Dan Evans has had a brilliant uh, year as well. You know, I think he's also he's also challenging the top 10 in the year-to-date rankings. He's, uh, I, I think he might be... T- I can't remember where he is in the year-to-date rankings, but he's, he's very high up. But um you know, obviously won the Battle of the Brits, but uh, I know I can't see him getting past Rublev. I think Rublev, as you say, just very strong. Yeah, um, just moving on from the games then, I think we're going to look ahead and just go for the four quarterfinal lineups that we've put in our draws, in our predictions, just to give you an idea of who we really rate going into this tournament. Um, just to pick up on what you just said, Michael Dan Evans is 11 in the, in the year-to-date ranking, so clearly... Clearly, yeah, having a great year, but yeah, rub level five might be too much. Um, and because because there's going to be less tournaments uh, before that O uh, two, which is happening in November, that you know there's less chance for players to catch up. So so one good result, uh, you know, if Dan Evans does get past Rublev and has a good run, you know, he could really be uh, Dan Evans at the O two. You know, it, it, we never thought I never thought I'd be saying it, but well, actually, I don't know. It's always been clear he had potential, but um. You know, it'd be brilliant to see. We can hope. We can hope. Um, Just to rattle through my quarterfinals, I'm going to say all all four at once. And, uh, yeah, just give me your your initial response off them. Um, I have to say, I think they are quite predictable. I mean, we could end up having the exact same. But my top quarterfinal is Novak Djokovic versus David Goffin. Then it's Daniil Medvedev versus Roberto Bautista Agut. Then the third one, Matteo Berrettini versus Stefano Tsitsipas. And last but not least, Andre Roblev versus Dominic Thiem. Uh, yeah, I've gone f- uh, fairly similar. Um, my top one is Djokovic against Borna Choric. So that's my sort of risk of taking with Choric. I've got him 
uh, to beat Pear, as we said. Then I've got him to beat Goffin, and then I've got him to beat Alex Demonur, the young Australian. So um, I think you know Goffin is a good player, but he, to me, he just feels like, he, as you said earlier, he when he drops his levels, he, he can often quite. I feel like every player in the top 100, when they're playing at their best, is good enough to beat David Goffin. He's just a very sort of consistent, uh, hard worker. But I, I don't think he's got a lot. So I've gone for Courage um, to get to the quarterfinals. The next quarterfinal, uh, I also have Medvedev, but I've gone for Hatchinoff. Uh I've got Hatchinoff to beat Bautista Agut. You've obviously gone for Bautista Agut. Uh, next quarterfinal, I think you said you had Berrettini against Tsitsipas. Yep, so I've got the exact same there. Uh, and then the last one, I've got Andre Rublev against Dominic Team. So I think that's the same as well. It is, yeah. Well, yeah, it's quite quite similar then. Um, but yeah. Just Bonacaric, two differences. Yeah, Bonacaric obviously being a big difference. We have in our draws based on the points that we could have and uh, who's going to take this crown of the Western Southern Open. Um, I'm going to ask you who you've got in the final and who to win. So yeah, you can you can start. So I've gone for a little bit of a risk for the final. I've got Djokovic uh, and I've got Djokovic to win it. I felt it was too risky not going for the only player of the big three playing. It's a safe and boring prediction, but I've gone for it. Now, the in the final, uh, I've actually gone for Stefano Tsitsipas uh, to get to the final. I know this is extremely risky. But um, I feel that he, Sitsipas' mentality is quite strong at times. It's very weak at times as well. But, um, you know, we see him do this sort of vlogging. He's very uh, interactive with people. And I think, you know, from that I get he's quite a, um, he's quite a clever individual, you know. And I think during this lockdown, I hope that Sitsipas has really put things together and tried to sort of work out what he needs to do to really do this, to sort of take this last step and actually challenge. So I have got him to beat Dominic team in the semi-final, but uh, I completely understand that is a big risk, but the you know, team quite often can, does have early exits, which stops him being sort of at the level with Djokovic, uh, Nadal and Federer are at, because we do see team every now and then having a surprise first, second round exit. I haven't gone for it, but um, I, yeah, I've gone for six best to get to the final. Fair enough. I think that's quite bold. Um, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I've gone for Dominic Team to take the title and uh, beat Djokovic in the final. I couldn't really find an obvious person to knock Djokovic, knock Djokovic out. And, yeah, I think it would be a close game, but I think maybe Team just edges it in the final. Also, just as you said about Stefanos Sitsipas, this is going to be another key area of both of our draws. As a player who plays a lot of tennis on the tour when it, when it's happening regularly. Um, I think Sitsas Pass might miss that week in, week out sort of routine to get him into his into his stride, into into playing his best tennis. So I mean I've still had him to have an okay week, but I've got Matteo Berrettini to beat him in the quarter final. Um and then obviously uh, get knocked out in the semi two team, um my eventual winner. Um so yeah. a little a little difference there. But uh yeah. Dominic team to win. Yeah, and it's very fair enough because Sitsipas has actually got a tough draw himself. He's got a first, well, it'll be second round, but it'll be his first match. And it's against either Kyle Edmund or Kevin Anderson, which I think will be a 
you know, it's it's not going to be the best game for a spectator. Um, not that there are any spectators, but um, you know, two big servers. But the winner of that could definitely hurt Sitsipas. Um, he's then got potential match after that with John Isner or John Millman. Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of potholes for Sitsipas. So I know that I've definitely taken a, a big risk by going for Sitsipas. But I just feel, you know, the first the first tournament back after so long off, like. I'd be very surprised to see if we do get the sort of normal first versus second seed in the final and, and it all sort of panning out. So I thought, you know, that's my risk there. I'm going to go for Sitsipas. Yeah, fair play. So it's a good explanation. Just to add one game that I will definitely be avoiding watching in the first round, and that's Sam Query versus Milos Reinic. No thanks. I don't want to see them slamming down serves all day and every set going to a tie break. But. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm sure some people can find enjoyment out of it. That's just not really my style. When there's going to be some other games that we could watch, I think I'd rather see that match than Kyle Edmund, Kevin Anderson. They're very oh, yeah, similar, yeah. very similar matches. I reckon I'd go for Query. Was it Query Ryanich? I reckon I'd go Query Ryanich just because I, I do quite like Sam Query uh, as as a person. You know, I, I think he's a really, really nice. Uh, Nice guy when I've seen him interviewed. Whereas, I'm not, I'm not saying Edmund and Anderson aren't. They they both are really nice as well. But I, I am a bit of a fan of Sam Query. Not to watch, but I do like to see him doing well. So, But I've, I've got Milos Reinich to win that match. Right, then that wraps up our talk on the Western Southern Open draw and our predictions. And to finish off the pod, it's going to be Guess the Player, the weekly feature on the Tennis Fanalyst podcast. Hope you've enjoyed joining in at home. Um, Michael, do you want to go get started? And uh, I'll guess yours to begin with. Yeah, uh, I kind of did rush through this a little bit. So the, the clues are a little bit basic. Um, so off the top of my head and obviously looking at rankings and that. Um, the first clue is I am 27 years old. A great, great first clue. Really narrows it down. Yep. Um, I tend to just try and fire these ones out as quick as I can because it's just not a lot of point thinking about it. Right, 27-year-old. Let's go for... Basil Ashvili. No. I reckon you're probably about right on age, though. So he's probably around that. So that's a good shout. Uh... Number two, my career high is 16. Ooh, 16, okay. So someone that's sort of threatened to really break into the top, but not. It is hard because quite a lot of the players ranked around there are either in their 30s and sort of have gone very long, or they're one of these young and up-and-coming Let's players. Martin Clizan. Ooh, that's, that's not a bad guess. Um, but no. And this third uh, clue, you, obviously you've said Clizan now, but this third clue you might have thought, oh, maybe Clizan, because the third clue is despite my high highest ranking, I'm now ranked 113th. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Clizan is down there. Uh, Maximilian Marcerez dropped out of the top 100 lately after being quite high, but I don't think he was high, as high as 16. Who, sorry? Martyrea, you know, the German guy. Oh, right, yeah, 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 Martyrea. Currently 113. 
27, Vasek Pospisil. Uh, again, not not a bad shout. We're probably right on age, uh, but no. Uh, okay, number four, probably go. You could probably get this. Um, actually, I'm going to do number five first because you'll get it on that one. Uh, I'm Italian. Italian, okay. Been highly rated. Is it Marco Cecchinato? Yeah, well done. I I thought my second, my my other clue was I came to prominence after a big win at the French Open in 2018, and I think. Thinking about it, you probably would have remembered quite quickly uh, Cecchinato beating uh, Novak Djokovic. I th- I th- was that? That might have been in the quarterfinal. No, maybe fourth round. It was. It was a, a very good win for Cecchinato, but unfortunately, I'd, I'm not sure if he's had injury problems. I think he might have done, but unfortunately, you know, that happened. We would have been about 25, 24 when that happened, uh, but we haven't really seen a lot from him. Since. Yeah, I think on a clay court, I'd still have Chekinato in the top sort of twenty twenty-five in the world, maybe when he's when he's fully fit. Um, but yeah, no, I, I had seen him down in the rankings. I had seen that uh, in, the, in the last week or two. So yeah, one I had a little head start with. I think. Um, right, moving on to my next one, my my guess, and to kick it off, the first clue is age. They're just the same as it was with you. And he's 23 years old. 23. Young player. Um, there's so many of them. Let's go for, I think he's a bit younger, but I'll say Francis TFO. Good guess, but no. Uh, second clue, he went out in the third round of the Australian Open this year. So a respectable uh, achievement. And he beat Grigor Dimitrov in the second round. Third round of Australian. He's said 23 years old. We'll go for Lord George Harris. Good effort, but no. Um, also, adding to just um, one of his uh, achievements on the tour this year, he beat Sasha Zverev on his way to the Acapulco quarterfinal. Hmm. Time because Sasha Zverev has not had a brilliant time of it since his sort of breakthrough at the O2 in 2018, and uh, he has had a lot of those losses to players ranked lower than him. So uh, it's not. Oh uh, no, no, we we both we both picked this player one one week, so it's not going to be Riley Opelka. Um, So probably might have played next gen. I think next gen's been going a couple of years now. Twenty three, maybe not. Um, or what about? Um, I can't try to remember how you say the first name. Like Juan Munar, Spanish player. No, good guess. It's not Jaime Munar. He got. He had a good win in qualifying yesterday against Del Bonis, and he's playing in the last round as we speak. Um, well, as we record, um, I'm going to flip the fifth and uh, fourth clue around because you're on the right path with Opelka. He's never played in the next gen finals, um, but he is American. Okay, um, so not Opelka, but on the right track. We've done Taylor Fritz has played at next gen, and I think we've done him on guest player before, so it's not him. I said his name earlier. Um, I think before the pod 
Have you said current ranking? No. Okay. Uh, and you haven't said highest ranking either, have you? Uh, makes it tough. Um, I get the feeling this is his career high ranking, is his current ranking. Okay. Or it'll be very close to it. 23. I don't think Tennis Sandgren is that young. Um, no, Tennis Sandgren definitely isn't 23. <laughs> um, oh, Tommy Paul. Smash it. Congratulations. Yeah, Tommy Paul. I did say his name earlier. It was before we started recording the pod. I mistook uh, JJ Wolf, who got a really good win in qualifying yesterday, and I, I had said uh, Tommy Paul, and then I realised my mistake. Yeah, Tommy Paul. What was going to be your other yeah. clue? He's 55 in the world. Um, as you speak, you've just mentioned uh, Jeffrey John Wolf and Halme Munar, who are currently three all in a deciding set to make the first round of the Western Southern Open. Um, so, yeah, that'll definitely be what I'm going to tune into after this. But, um, yeah, that concludes today's uh, pod. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, it's been nice to preview some actual real tennis ones, not real tennis to sport real tennis, but uh, on-court tennis. Um, your guests, the players, were Marco Cecchinato and Tommy Paul. Thanks for listening. I'll give you the last word, Michael. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. Looking forward to um, uh, playing, not playing, watching, not playing, uh, watching some actual competitive tennis. It's going to be fun. And uh, the draw is really good. As we were saying in our predictions earlier, it's so hard to know how it's going to go. So we, you know, this time or, you know, in, in a week and a bit when it's finished, we might be looking at JJ Wolf as a, a Masters champion.